0: trainer and brand builder Aaron Jensen, we are here to drop knowledge cutting out the bullshit while making you laugh along the way. Welcome to Through Thick and Skin Podcast. My name is Megan Patterson. And I'm Erin Jensen. And welcome to episode number 64, where we have international special guests for this episode. We're super duper excited to introduce Dr. Jake Sloan and David Siegel. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello. We're, hey.
1: we're honored to be here. Thanks for the invite, girls. We really appreciate yeah.
0: it. I mean, is that accent sexy or what? Well, I was oh actually, my god! well I was gonna
1: ask
2: you do you know that can you tell the difference between Jake's British accent and my Australian accent
0: no <laughs>
1: we all just sound weird
0: yeah well it depends on how you say controversy we say controversy they say controversy down there right oh that's UK I see now I'm getting mixed up
1: I honestly I'm the one who's confused now because my wife will say to me is talking like an Australian and and sometimes I, I deliberately sort of turn it on when I'm with Australian patients and then with British patients I reel it back so the the classic one is when I say vitamin instead of vitamin or yogurt or yogurt instead of yogurt Yogurt. and Ah. I I confuse myself now but um, (laughs) I'm not like him yeah.
0: yes so i mean for most of our listeners they're going to be like i cannot tell the difference between australian uk i mean me personally in preparation of this episode i listened to kylie minogue's entire discography yeah. including her indie phase and i even watched all seven seasons of the australian hit tv show offspring what am about i the good cro-
2: what about the crocodile hunter what about steve Irwin?
0: Yeah, but that's so basic. Everyone knows about Steve. I mean, bless him. He's an he's an icon. But I really wanted to dig deeper beyond the Vegemite. I wanted to watch, you know, Australian soaps. And so I feel like I know you guys already. I have done my deep research on Australia. But for our listeners, actually, Aaron put me on to these guys, Dr. Jake and David. They have their own podcast. And their podcast is very unique. And Aaron was a huge fan of it. She's always been talking about it, how she's been spreading the gospel about this podcast. So Aaron, how did you find out about uh, Dr. Jake and David's podcast? The aesthetic community,
3: especially in the United States, is very small, and I've been in the industry for 13, 14 years. I have a friend, her name's Ronna Kelly, and she was a guest on your guys' podcast. Uh, She is hilarious, and I saw her post, I think before she even was a guest on your podcast, that she was listening, listening to it. And I, you know, listened to the first episode and I was hooked. I think it's so interesting because there is in this field, there isn't much content uh, podcast-wise in the aesthetic industry. And um, I just think I love how you guys cover around the world and different cultures. And you guys interview some like
0: big players in the game. And I was very, very impressed by that. Oh, thank you. I'm not even, I'm not an aesthetic injector. And I wanted to bring them on too, because like Dr. Jake is like the Aaron and I'm like the David, right? Like I'm, I have a peppered adventurous life filled with all sorts of fun experiences business I enjoy you know there's the medical side and then there's the fun side I would like to think
1: well superficially you're very similar but David's very boring yeah so so that's where the similarities end (laughs) no I'm joking I'm joking
0: I love that you guys have both aspects like you not only talk about the you know the medical aesthetic side but about business and wellness so like Aaron mentioned this podcast is incredible because it's very specific if you look on Apple podcast or Spotify. There are things about health and wellness, but you'll learn about keto diets or uh, meditation. But this is very specific. Dr. Jake, what you do is specific, just like what Aaron does. And so we have so many followers and listeners who are in the steps to become, you know, a medical provider or whether it's a PA, a nurse, um, you know, Aaron's a PA Dr. Jake is a medical doctor. And so there are a lot of people who want to absorb as much knowledge about this as possible. But then we also have the other aspect about how this is a a business and how we are entrepreneurs. So um, like Aaron had mentioned, these guys have had some heavy hitters on their podcast. I'm like, I'm not an injector, but I know that... Paul Nassif, mm-hmm. Doctor Nassif, you guys know him from his show on E Television. Was it botched, right? Yeah,
1: botched. Mm-hmm.
0: Botched. He's he's up there uh as far. I mean, I even saw him. We saw him in Vegas at a convention, right, Erin? Mm-hmm. Remember, yeah. like I, I actually snuck into that. I shouldn't have been in there, but I saw a whole bunch of plastic surgeons arguing over nose jobs. It was so dramatic. <laughs> I think you were looking for a husband or a date. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hello i mean it's prime i just look at their hands i'm like okay who doesn't have a ring on their finger like please (laughs) but yeah i remember seeing nasa in person but you've also had julie horn who i even know that julie horn is the queen of lip filler she has uh courses that pull out so many different people she charges a lot of money for her expertise and she is No, very, very well-known in the industry. Subio, who's another well-known plastic surgeon that has a very funny sense of humor, very well-known. So you guys get some big names. How do you reach out to these people?
1: Well, Mm. that's the synergy of of David and I. You know, when we first started this, and to be completely honest, it was really fucking hard. Yeah. Um, We, you know, I came up with the idea. We didn't know how to podcast. We didn't understand the tech side of it you know um, sort of editing and scripting was new to us and then finding people. I mean, David um, had Mm. a few contacts locally in Sydney and actually we started with a a more wellness one. It was more about nutrition and food with Mm. one of our good friends, Fiona Tuck. And we literally, I'm not going to say we scraped the barrel, but we asked and and we called him some favors from friends who we knew because no one knew who the the hell we all were. And you can't invite, you know, Subio on if you don't have a product that, that you can explain what you're doing. Yeah. So it's kind of the snowball effect.
2: Yeah, we, we begged, we pleaded, we bribed, um, we harassed. And um, I mean, I've been in Australia my whole life. I was born here. Jake's been here for Four six and a bit years. Yeah, um, a long time. Mm. But um, I've grown up in Sydney. So I was able to call in favours from people that I knew. Because as, as Jake said, when you don't have a product and... Sorry, my cat's attacking my couch. cat. <laughs> <Get up. laughs> um, <laughs> it's hard to get people on for a product that doesn't exist yet. So it was basically calling in favours, to be honest with you.
0: And so how did you guys even meet if Jake just came here six years ago? How did you guys build your businesses together? Well,
2: he swiped left. I swiped left. And, you know, okay. it was just, you know.
0: <laughs> I love it. I, I'm a, I hate online anything. But if it turns into beautiful relationships like this, partnerships.
2: Yeah. Well, actually, um, I own a few um, cosmetic clinics here in Australia and, and Jake um, worked at one of them. So we just became good friends. We found out we had a lot in common, similar backgrounds,
1: same actually born on the same day on the same year. Same religion. Wow. We we both used to play the drums. We're in the same industry. But weirdly, we're actually quite different people like David's brain is the yin and I'm the yang and uh, I mean I joked on, on another podcast we recorded but we had a bit of a, a to-do on Saturday a bit of a bit of a text argument and um we had to c- call each other and calm down and and but it, you know that's the passion of the business. You know when when you're really invested in something I think stuff like that occasionally does happen and it it, it brings the, the, the best and worst out of you but ultimately it drives you towards a better product. If it yeah. was just yeah. nice and casual and everything was too easy I don't think we'd have a great product yeah
2: and the makeup sex was amazing <laughs> <laughs>
0: The passion, the fire, the,
2: the passion of the car, of the podcast. There you go.
3: We for sure understand that being sisters, we've been there, but I feel like if you had the same relationships, it wouldn't be the same dynamic. Like you need both of those to to grow your business.
1: I was going to say, hopefully you feel, and, and I feel the same when I listen to your podcast, you bring completely different skill sets. You know, I, I can't sit here and talk about my experience in building clinics and, and, and managing staff because I don't do that. And I never have, and I kind of hope I never will, but, You know, David's done that. That's all he's done. Um, And yet he's employed injectors. He's dealt with complications and he's bought stock and he gets it. Whereas there are owners in, in our industry who are just like, you know, Oh, I'm going to buy a clinic and I know fuck all about clinics and it just doesn't work. So uniquely David doesn't inject or he's non-medical, but he he really understands. So if I ever had a problem when I used to work with him, I can easily have that conversation and, and it just works better.
3: As a medical doctor, say if you have no business sense what would be your recommendation to someone who wants to get into the aesthetic business side of things but isn't good with business
1: well i think david taught me this but uh, and and i've learned through both the podcast in fact today we just employed our second staff or well, third staff member because yes. we have an editor and then we have a producer bridget she's fantastic and today literally about an hour ago we hired um sort of a social media content creator yeah so my point is hire people who are good at what they do and don't, you know, pretend or masquerade to be a, a website designer if that's not what you do. Because, um, you know, I've kind of been the pseudo social media stroke web stroke writer and, and David's obviously chipped in. But I don't have the time, the inclination or, to be honest, the skill set to do it. So surround yourself with good people like you guys have and um, and thrive off their own sort of, you know, skill set. Yeah. I think that, um, and I ha-
2: we had a, we got actually interviewed for someone else's podcast earlier in the week, and a similar question around doctors and business and I think that um, you know doctors are obviously very very smart people they did well at school they did well at um, you guys call it college we call it university so they're very smart people and they come out and I think that sometimes they think that well if I've done medicine I can do business and I think that's sometimes a mistake It would almost be the same as me saying well I've done uh, business my whole life I'm just gonna throw me a scalpel I'll see how I go probably (laughs) not going to end that well so I think it's just being humble enough to recognize where your strengths are and surrounding yourself with people who complement what you do well.
0: Aaron kind of pulled me aside one day and was like you can't manage anymore. You're you're shit at it actually. <laughs> like we had like talking about like playing into people's strengths, but then on the other hand, that's why she also pays me very well to make reels on Instagram cuz that fucking sucks making reels on Instagram. I hate it. But Aaron won't do it, you know? So I'm willing to do it and she, you know, it's a mutually beneficial relationship and I don't manage people anymore. Mm-mm.
1: So are you the content creator for, for your own website Megan?
0: Yes, so I actually do the Instagram stuff for Through Thick and Skin podcast and then for our business as well alongside a team of people. So Aaron is like the founder, the the queen, the head bitch in charge. We I don't know if you have that acronym in Australia. HBIC. Yep, so that's Aaron, the HBIC. And so a team of people, but for the podcast, it's all me. It's 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 completely me. So I'm, yeah. I pull the memes out of the Internet and, and try to have fun with it because it's just it's a lot of work. That's why you guys hired a social media person, I assume. Yeah.
1: And, you know, and going back to your point about, you know, what should doctors do? Well, a lot of doctors try and do stuff that, you know, maybe they're not good at, like, you know, all the things we just mentioned. And then they avoid really important things like social media. They'll say, oh, I'm not doing that because, you know, it's a little bit of fun and blah, blah, blah. But that's like free advertising to billions of people. And I think I think you mentioned on, on a podcast that I was listening um, from you guys today, it might have been even your first one, you get like 99% of your sales through Instagram. I mean, it's insane. And so why or how could you afford to not do it? And yet many doctors just refuse to engage. They just think it's sort of beneath, beneath them. Yeah,
3: Yeah, it's a lot of work, but it's
0: so worth it. So let me ask you, so for some people who don't have Australian friends or family members, David, you mentioned cosmetic clinic. Is that also known as a med spa down under?
2: We were were having this conversation an hour ago about I don't even think we've actually got a true med spa in Australia in the the terms that you guys understand it in the States. So clinics that I own do treatments like laser hair removal. We do Botox. We do fillers. um, We do skin treatments. So that's the sort of clinics that I own. It's sort of like a cross between – like a doctor's clinic and say a beauty therapy clinic where they're doing you know nails and sort of the softer treatments so it's sort of like that midway point is that how you guys sort of define it in the states
3: yes kind of what's interesting each state has different laws so in california they, it's very strict, so only a medical, a nurse, and above can do laser treatments. But in the next state over, an esthetician or a skin therapist can do laser treatments. So and our, I, I think it's a little bit more separate. You know, very medic. It pushes more to the medical side of it. It involves any
0: devices. Yeah, and I think what you call an esthetician is like a beautician. Mm-hmm. They go to school to learn how to do facials, waxing. Um, like eyelash tinting, things like that, and we, we, Aaron, we have estheticians that perform facials and and chemical peels, but then there's certain treatments like microneedling that are a little more invasive or involve a scalpel, like dermaplaning or skin blading, and that's for a nurse and above. So it and it varies from state to state. So for ease, we call our business a med spa, but med spas tend to have a tacky connotation yeah. like a corny it, like when you hear med spa it kind of makes you want to go like Bleh.
1: it's like the pan pipes and the the kind of the the sort of <laughs> stereotype people you know you know it's a bit tacky and yeah I know. What you or mean.
0: like housewives you know like housewives stuff you know yeah. like a, you know really over the top decor you know just like trying to be over the top and extra and when really like we're kind of a more stripped down geared towards natural which i know jake that you're that's your approach as well um and that kind of leads to my next question so what is like the the big treatment in australia like is there one thing that maybe post covid or even before covid like people could not get enough of what do you do the most down there
1: well i think david probably has a bit better insight into sort of lots of other clinics whereas obviously i know what i do but um I I reckon most clinics are still pumping out lips and, and, and your standard sort of cheek filler that, you know, that's almost ubiquitous and that's sort of what your average patient might sort of know about and ask for. Um, obviously, you know, Botox, that's, that's the bread and butter. I mean, you know, our younger patients may not start with toxins, but certainly by you know closer to thirty, they're interested, and in, and any newer patients after that, probably their entry treatment, I would guess, would be Botox. Would you agree? Yeah,
2: Botox. I mean, that's that's the gateway drug, right? That's where it all starts for us all, right? Um. So, and I think especially during COVID, people seeing themselves on Zoom, seeing their wrinkles, um, you know, the downlighting is not great for uh, the way your face looks. So, I think definitely Botox. It's quick. It's easy. It's generally, you know, pretty inexpensive compared to fillers which can run into like the many, many thousands of dollars depending on what it is you need and what you want. So, yeah, mm. I think Botox still winning, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you ask me personally, and again, this is where it sort of gets interesting with marketing and Instagram, you know, I tend to focus a lot on, you know, the the look rather than the facial area. So a lot of people come because they don't want to look tired. So then it's often mid face and under eye. I get a lot of people young or old sort of looking for that sort of treatment. So if I had to say what's like the one thing apart from Botox, it might be mid face and and sort of not looking as tired.
3: Has the industry in Australia come back from COVID?
1: Oh, I, I was speaking to someone from Allegan and they said that apart from China and Australia, which have ran away with like, you know, unprecedented growth. I mean, we're talking insane sort of um, figures, you know, considering we were closed for at least three months in the f- first and really only lockdown we've had. The the sales, I mean, I don't know if you yeah. can speak for yourself, but it, it's well over the yearly um, earnings, despite the fact that we didn't work for three months.
2: Yeah. Oh, there was, there was definitely like a pent up demand. Like as soon as we reopened, people were just like busting down the door. There was booked out, you know, a number of weeks in advance. I mean, Jake got all sorts of um, offers to do some sort of unspeakable <laughs> things to, uh, to get treatment. Some
0: back alley Botox? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You joke, but I'm absolutely
1: serious. It was like, I'll meet you in a car park. <laughs> I'll drive around to your house and you can do me in the garden or we can wear, wear masks and... Um, more dodgy stuff that I won't even go into, but, but people went crazy. Like yeah. literally, they went crazy for it. And and at first, I was like, "Ah, oh, this is just so horrible," and and I hate my industry. And then I thought, you know, once it all calmed down and I started seeing people, and we worked through. You know, we got rid of the backlog. I was like, Do you know, what? I really feel valued, and and I understand. Well, I understood before, but it it really showed. How important we are for our patients, and it's not just a superficial wrinkle. We're making people feel better, and they felt like shit during lockdown. Let's just be honest. Yeah. So it it was really quite powerful, but but it took me a while to sort of understand the psychology of it all.
2: Yeah. Also, people become so addicted to these treatments, and then you sort of get that three month mark where people maybe got caught in the middle of their cycle in terms of their Botox wearing off and, you know, their husbands are working out what they really look like. I don't know. So many
0: divorces in COVID because they're like, that's what your forehead really looks like. I'm out of here. Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) I'm curious to know how it has gone from your side, because you've sort of bounced in and out of of multiple lockdowns. And I, I don't know if you, if you're back up and running yet, I'm not quite sure.
3: Yeah, so we had a very strict lockdown in the beginning for two months, and then the medical side was, we were able to open, it was very weird, there's like um, medical necessities were able to open up. Well, everyone medical just opened back up. So our estheticians had a little bit more restrictions throughout the year. So we have been open since last May on Mm -hmm. the medical side of things. And same thing, even those two months of being closed, It was insane when we first opened up. And now we are actually seeing the second wave because the vaccine is available to anyone at this point in the United States. So people are coming out that we haven't seen in over a year that had been avoiding treatments and saying they're vaccinated and weddings are starting to occur again. And even if you're wearing a mask, it it is so interesting. I find that people do it for themselves. They wanna look good. They're not trying to do it to impress others. And I think it just it we're just yeah exact same as you guys, just so busy. Some people have gained some weight, the you know, COVID 10, 15 pounds, and they want to fill up some cheeks to balance it out. Are you raising yeah. your hand, Megan?
0: <laughs> yes, I was like, uh tis I and I actually got cheeks for my birthday. I do a top-up once a year. I mean, I'm on schedule, just like you guys had mentioned. When when you go you go three months, that's a, that is a, a, a how long it takes for Botox to wear off for me. I'm like three months to the day. And when you don't have it, you realize how important it is to you and how much you love it and how you can't live without it. So mm-hmm. for my birthday, I had Aaron top off some cheek just to balance, you know, all the weight gain in my fupa to hopefully draw attention up to my cheekbones <laughs> rather than to my rolls. And it worked, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's what people notice are my popping, contoured it's cheeks. good work. I like it. Very well good.
2: Done. Well, also as Thank well, you. Um, Thank you. there's that that phenomenon called like the lipstick economy, right, where people will gravitate towards these Um, procedures that make them feel good doing things that make them feel good about themselves people can't really travel they're not like taking out you know big expensive loans for like new cars and things like that so going in and getting your treatments done is something that you most people can still afford and it makes them feel good so I think people gravitate to it's sort of like almost a recession proof industry, or we'll call it re- re- recession resistant. I know nothing's completely proof, but it, te- it seems to have d- stood up well when a lot of other businesses have been struggling.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think less people, even if they're putting off their bigger cosmetic surgeries, like yeah. a facelift, mm-hmm. so they're more likely to spend, you know, it's reasonable to spend a few hundred dollars to look better versus tens of thousands of dollars.
1: I mean, the other interesting thing, you know, this is kind of logical, but I don't think people connected the dots is because we're wear- wearing masks and also working from home. People don't give a shit about the downtime or swollen lips or, or Kyra neck. Sorry, you call it Kybella or, you know, a, a lot of stuff that they really fussed about before. They're like, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm just at home on my laptop all dead. Who cares? So it's like this unique paradigm shift where people are just more open to it and they've got more cash. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, And
0: also having a mask to cover your face, that was like our selling point that just cinched the deal. I'd say, listen, you don't have to like you'll wear a mask and nobody will notice if you're swollen or bruised. This is the best time to get it. And then you emerge at the restaurant 14 days later looking stunning. It's, yeah. it, it's the yeah. best time. So I love that you called it, you know, uh, recession resistant. And so, um, you know, Dr. Jake, you have, uh, you know, you've been an MD, you were trained in the UK. Um, what did you do before you were in cosmetic or we what we call aesthetic injectables or aesthetic medicine?
1: Yeah. So I trained um, as a doctor in London, um, you know, probably similar to America, you sort of get bounced around all these nightmare jobs doing days, nights, long days, weekends, whatever. Anyway, but I decided even before I started that I wanted to do surgery, but I I, I didn't really know what branch of surgery. So I I think you guys do the same you you sort of do general surgery and then you can sort of branch off into plastics or whatever you like and I originally sort of had this loose idea that plastics just seemed interesting and cool but um, you know when, when you do plastics in the public system in the UK at least it's very different you're not doing any of the cosmetic stuff so you're just sort of dealing with dog bites and you know lacerations and burns and stuff which is of course you know interesting but it's not what I wanted to do so I pursued a career in general surgery I did a lot of bowel surgery I did a lot of breast surgery but you know for cancer really rather than cosmetic Um, but really really early on I also tacked injectables onto the side so I think within the first year of being a doctor I went along to a sort of a really basic course and you know you know I'll be completely honest for for about six or seven years it was sort of like a hobby on the side because I just didn't have the time to dedicate to it And then when I moved to Australia to continue my surgical training, I did that for another two years. And then, you know, I'm sure you've heard in our previous podcasts, I kind of got a bit disillusioned with, well, a lack of quality of life. And we just had our first kid um, around that time. And I just sort of stepped away thinking, well, I'm not sure if I want to do this for another 30 years. It's just too much, sort of doing 100 hour weeks and stuff. And, um, and then I kind of just sort of fell into injecting almost full time. And, and here I am. So yeah, that's the life story.
3: How many days a week are you injecting now?
1: So I've got, I've got quite a nice life balance. So Wednesdays, which is obviously today, um, we it's like podcast and admin day. So I don't inject on a Wednesday. And then I'll inject Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then sort of Sunday, Monday is my, my weekend. And Monday ends up sort of being absorbed by meetings and more admin and meeting David for random podcast stuff and all the rest of it. But yeah, it's it's quite a nice balance.
3: Yeah. That's night nice. better than a hundred hours.
1: Definitely better than a hundred hours, and and I made a commitment to myself. I will not work before ten o'clock. So, if I'm going to inject, <laughs> that
0: sounds like me. Ten is my. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah
1: ten is my earliest. And in fact, some days I start at eleven, but then I work through till seven. So, you know, I think you know yeah. anyone listening, if you want to reinvent yourself, just make some commitments to yourself and stick to them. Because you know, if you don't have to work nine till five like then then just don't bother
2: but when do you actually sleep i mean because i'll like i'll get up to go like to the toilet at 1 a.m and i'll just pick up my phone and you're online and then you're up at 4 a.m so i mean (laughs)
1: it's called having young children i just yeah yeah, i'm online a lot and and because you know because of the nature of the podcast and guests uh, you know different countries and i talk to lots of people through the allegan network and i I just get whatsapps a lot and (laughs) I don't know. I, yeah, I don't need much sleep. I just burn the candle at both ends, and we'll see where it ends up. Jake's actually Jake, Jake's actually eighteen.
2: He just looks like he's forty.
0: <laughs> you, you guys got. I'm gonna put pictures up of both of you so they can see how hunky and handsome you are. But I ah, mean, stop. This is a pr- proof that male injectables can look fantastic and just preserve. Thank you.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah
0: look, um, you guys are yeah, look, prime yeah. examples of that.
1: Yeah, I'm Jake's guinea pig. Well, I don't <laughs> <know> about <laughs> guinea pig, but no, but we're we're quite open about our treatments, and you know, started before I even met you, and you know, when I trained, I remember, you know, we had to be models for each other. So I had Botox the first day that I learned to do Botox, and um, yeah, be like like we were saying about the pent up demand. Like, it would be weird to not do it. I mean. You know, I think we all like how we look and we want to maintain that whether we cut our hair or buy nice clothes or when we wear makeup, why wouldn't you if yeah. if you can make something better?
2: Yeah, and it's an interesting um discussion piece because a lot of people judge people that have injectables. Oh, you should just be natural, embrace who you are, all this sort of stuff. And then they're going and getting spray tans and doing their hair and getting the nails done. I'm like, What's the fucking difference? You're still doing it for the same primary underlying reason, which is you want to look better. The fact that one of it, like one form, comes through a botox in and the other comes through a spray tan with a chemical you put on your skin. Why? Why do people judge people
1: for that? I don't. I don't get it.
3: Is there a lot of judgment in Australia? Is there more of this negative connotation still with it's, injectables? Well,
1: I have to say, and I can only reflect on the UK here. It's, um, I think, more people do it here. Like, well there's a figure banded around that's about seven or eight percent market penetration so eight percent of the population have had at least one injectable which is apparently quite high compared to other countries and markets. But no, I, I reflect on the UK and I mean, UK's changed since I've been there, but I think Europe is a little bit more conservative. Australia is is more open to, you know, you know, sort of looking good, feeling good. It's a bit like California. So it's, it's, it's a very similar yeah. niche of people and weather and, and lifestyle.
2: Yeah, somewhere between California and Miami, depending on which part of Australia you go to, right? <laughs> yeah. So if you head up to like, if you head up to the Gold Coast, um, which is in Queensland for anyone who's not in Australia listening. So it's probably hotter sp- and more yeah, it's more of like a subtropical sort of area. So people tend to have a bit more of an extreme look up there. I'm generalizing. Sorry, Queensland people, don't kill me. I'm just generalizing. Um, where so that's probably more closer to Miami, whereas uh, in Sydney's I, a, I yeah. You. I smell
0: yeah. what you're cooking. Yeah,
2: yeah, you're picking up what we're putting down. Okay.
0: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what we're known for at all. Like we, I mean, speaking of, you know, your, your perspective, Dr. Jake about, you know, you were trained in the UK, so you lived there. You're from there. I don't know if this happens on your Instagram pages, but once you follow enough aesthetic injector accounts or doctor accounts or Allergan, you get a whole bunch of suggested posts. Mm-hmm. And what I see a lot in the UK are these 90 degree jawlines that can cut a piece of Charred cheese.
1: Well, it looks like they've got a shoe shoved into their jaw.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> like like a protractor. They That's show these before register. and after yeah. of these women where you know very big, juicy Russian lips and ninety degree jawlines. And yeah. so I w- kind of wanted to ask, like, from your more international perspective. What we've talked about before on the show, Russian doll lips, Mm -hmm. um, these 90 degree jaw lines that are super chiseled. So very masculine looking chiseled jaws on beautiful, big lipped, big knocker women. And then also something else, which isn't injectables, but you might have something to say, Dr. Jake, these Barbie noses. That are very um, popular in Turkey. I see a lot of people going to Turkey for rhinoplasty. Yeah. So this, where your nose almost looks like it's cut in half yeah. and flipped yeah. upwards.
1: It's the Tinkerbell nose,
0: yeah, Barbie nose, Tinkerbell, yeah. where it looks very, very small for the the whole holistic look of the face. Do you guys yeah. see that a lot, or do people oh, ask yeah. for that? Oh, well, nose?
1: I, I think. A year, two, three years ago, definitely in Australia, it just mm. seemed to be a a thing. And you know, this is where social media really comes in and it's like the double-edged sword. You know, it's great to promote, you know, stuff, but when it's shit stuff, it's really bad because everyone sees it and it becomes normalized almost. So, you know, the UK is a weird market. It's probably sort of the worst example in the world that I can think of, um, unfortunately, where the 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 regulations are so poor um that you know anyone can pick up a syringe and and when i say anyone i literally mean you megan or or
2: or anyone or your house or your house cleaner or your garbologist or like your what your nail your nail tech yeah yeah
1: and so it's they're kind of in this weird world where sort of the horse has bolted and it's been like that you know since it started Um, thank God that, I mean, I'm sure there are, there are obviously horrendous complications, but we we haven't seen any evidence to show that definitively there's like a problem. And so that's maybe why it hasn't sort of been jumped on and sort of controlled better. But anyway, the reality is that there's some average injecting going on, but also the flip side is that patients actually coming to ask for these treatments. And so it's almost like, well, why? Because it, you know, in my aesthetic, it's not very nice. And, and you've sort of alluded to the fact it's not nice, but patients are kind of asking for it. And I think that is because, you know, celebrities and the Kardashians and whoever, the the trends that they're pushing out are not real they're filtered they're doctored they're you know airbrushed and and whatever so these women look incredible with you know almost inhuman jawlines and perfect skin and whatever and and so unfortunately young people influenced to sort of chase that dream that doesn't exist anyway yeah um and then they look weird you know if, if you were doing sort of a, a fashion editorial shoot and and you kind of looked You know, that way, maybe it would kind of work because it's a bit arty and and whatever. But in real life, it looks ridiculous. Um, And like you said, women are becoming masculinized or just overfilled and pillow faced. Yeah. And distorted as well. Well, we've got
2: like, we've had a few guests on recently. We've got um, Steve Harris on, Dr. Steve Harris coming on later this week, who's going to talk to us all about this sort of alien-esque sort of look that people are starting to take on. But I think we're starting to see injectors push back and say no and say, look, I'm not comfortable putting my name next to that treatment. So I think we're starting to see us maturing as an industry mm. and injectors starting to understand their role and being confident enough to actually push back and, and not do things they're not comfortable with. But I guess, you know, part of it is people see treatments on other people and that might look great on them, but they might be a completely different ethnicity with a different facial structure, different colouring, all sorts of things. And it's like, well, that look, um, you know, the, the nose that your friend has isn't going to suit your face because you look entirely different. And that's a challenge as well.
1: Yeah. And yeah, the, the, the Tinkerbell, I, I don't like it. Um, I don't know. I don't know where it started, but I, I know some practitioners. Michael Jackson. That's where well, it started. Yeah, maybe.
0: <laughs> he was the OG with that, with his little nose. So for people who have yeah. no idea what we're talking about, it's where you almost like, like, it feels like just the tip of your nose is then... Pointing out of your face, it just doesn't make yeah. sense. It's so so small. Yeah. What I notice is all of these these before and after that these these nose docs put up are uh, the location tags. Just it's like is Turkey like an epicenter yeah. for a rhinoplasty? Yeah, it is. Yeah.
2: yeah,
1: and hair transplant. And they do. Is it teeth as well? Teeth as well. Yeah. So, so there's certain centers like turkey is kind of the obvious one i'm sure there are others where certain things have become like world center so hair transplant you know every everyone that i know would know that turkey is the place to go yes the the work is good but it's just unbelievably cheap and so you know people will fly from you know even australia obviously we can't now, but you know, when the skies are open, get their procedure done, get the hotel stay and follow up. And and it's like more than half price compared to Australia, probably a third of the price. And so it's just attractive to sort of go because people unfortunately base these decisions on price first, rather than quality occasionally.
2: Or they don't think it all the way through. Like what happens when you get back home and something goes wrong? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You're going to hop back on a plane to Turkey or you're going to try and convince the doctor here to fix it for you. That's then going to charge you four times the original price. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Well, actually we, we did an episode, I think it was episode 99 or 101 with uh, Greg Lemon. Oh yes. from And, and he set up a, a company called tour here in Australia. And, up until covid they were flying a lot of patients to thailand for cosmetic surgery so you know whatever lipo breast augmentation facelifts whatever and again you know that sounds kind of like you know inverted commas dodgy because you know how do you know what's going to happen and so forth but he set up a really quite robust um sort of follow-up process yeah if you did have a problem you'd be seen by an australian surgeon and you'd be looked after under insurance and so on so these things can work um i just think you've got to do your due diligence i don't know how it'd work in america i mean where would you go
0: mexico yeah Uh, Yeah, mexico a lot of people go to mexico for um dentistry and for like mommy makeovers it's been really popular they they have created almost like medical centers so big buildings with a lot of doctors you'll see a lot of billboards Uh, promoting plastic surgery full-blown mommy makeovers so you could get a breast lift aug tummy tuck like arm surgery for like you said half the price but you stay there and there could be complications just like anything so you know Erin's had experiences where she's had to you know dissolve other people's work and kind Mm. of start fresh and start over so it's interesting to hear that it's you know it's kind of everywhere and it's not just this kind of like overstuffed or pillow face phenomenon isn't just particular to a certain place it's kind of worldwide. Yeah, and yeah, you know,
1: I, I think even injectors have sort of learned maybe the hard way that they've maybe pushed too much or, or they haven't quite understood the rheology of filler and their technique maybe needed refining and you know th- this is all an evolution and I'm not sort of blaming anyone but yeah th- that overfilled look. It, it it was a problem and, and it still is to some extent, you know, you sort of go to certain areas of Sydney and you're like, Whoa, <laughs> it's a bit like, um, <laughs> uh, sorry, what's the famous street in, um, LA? Um, you know, you yeah, just okay. kind of know that you, you've you kind of arrived and you look at everyone's face and they're all like cookie cutter examples of this, or the sort of the same bad work, I guess. Um, but your general patient is kind of a bit more, You know, they don't want to look like that. It just sort of happens. Well, you only
2: notice the bad work. I mean, if someone's had good work Mm -hmm. done and you don't notice it. So when people go, oh, no, when you get Botox, it's going to make me look weird. It's like, well, because you've only seen like weird stuff. You only notice the weird shit, right?
3: Yeah, exactly. And I think one thing, especially in the United States, I think injectors are learning that you cannot create a surgical result with injectables only. I think sometimes we think, oh, you know, we can inject the cheeks to lift and, you know, brow lift with Botox. Sometimes you just need a surgery. So there is some point where you have to say no. And it's a business too. You know, a lot of times people have a hard time saying no to that $500, $1,000, but it just, it just never works out if you're going above and beyond what you are able to do. I also find that if someone comes in asking for that really cut jawline, it at least gives me the introduction to s- explain to them why it won't look good on them, but what would look good on them to create a better jawline, like Kybella, or refer them out for liposuction or chin fillers. There's ways to create that that look without being so harsh, too.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, the one thing I've sort of learned in my consults, and sort of I'm still tinkering with the process, is, is to sort of Hear people out, listen to their wants, of course, and then steer them in a kind way towards their needs. and And photos help a lot with that. So, and, and I think people really respect you if you kind of go, mm, not kind of so sure, or, or you say no occasionally. They they respect you for that. You don't have to say yes to everything because otherwise, you know, eventually things look odd, or, or or they'll come back to you and say, "Well, you agreed to this. Now, this is your problem." <laughs> so, I think you have to sort of own, own things occasionally and say, "Well, no." And sometimes I do turn people away.
2: Yeah. Well, we maybe haven't done ourselves any favors with coming up with terms like the liquid facelift, which probably gives people the wrong idea, right?
0: (laughs) It's It rolls off the tongue.
2: It does. Yeah. But then people are expecting, you know, they might listen to that and go, well, I expect a facelift result for that. And now I don't look like that. And give me my money back.
0: Well, do you guys have at your uh, at your clinic kind of like um, like in the past, like I know Aaron has had clients where she said you would be a great candidate for a facelift. I could refer you. And they're just adamant. They're like, nope, I'm not going under. I will never go under. And then Aaron will say, "Okay, well, we're going to under treat. So like this, we're giving them very realistic. Do you have like a something you have to sign that says, I know I'm not going to get a facelift result from this? you know, filler or something like that.
1: You're right. And that conversation happens a lot, but you just have to sort of underscore that with human nature is you're still expecting the facelift. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Even if I do the 12 meals and we commit to that and, and we do it, you know, in one go for the biggest impact and so on. If I smell a red flag that they're not being realistic, or or they actually do want a facelift, I won't proceed because I, I've tried before and people kind of go, well, mm. I wasted five grand and I just yeah. wanted it to be, you know, yeah. they do the two finger facelift, don't they? They they all say I just want that, but you say just a little and then they pull it back three inches and they've got like skin <laughs> hanging behind their ears, so they look like a
2: bulldog, yeah. With all the- <laughs> Um, I mean, do you guys have that problem where you have patients that, um, you know, tell you exactly how to do the treatments? Like you're walking into a restaurant and then you walk into the kitchen, you go, okay, this is how you're going to cook my pasta. This is how you're going to do it. I mean, do you have that sort of issue? Like, how do you combat that? Because we have that issue here sometimes.
3: Yeah, sometimes, you know, it's funny. I use that exact analogy because people ask me, what technique are you going to use? Where are you going to put it? And I'll tell them. I'll tell them, well, if you go to a restaurant and you order a steak medium well or medium rare, you don't ask the chef how they're going to cook it. You just have to trust. I know what I'm going to do. I've used an exact example, cut, haven't I? Yeah, exact, <laughs> yeah. I probably heard I probably heard it from you guys. Oh, there you go. Um, <laughs> so, uh, And I almost uh, just try to, dom- if I dominate the in- encounter, then I think they respect that a little bit more. I do. I don't currently take any new patients because my schedule is so full. So I don't get that as much because I'm seeing recurring patients. Yeah. But I, our other injectors absolutely do get that, and I, I think it's not giving that that conversation much time. It's yeah. they don't they don't have to understand it. You just have to say, just know I will give you the desired result. But you don't have to know the whole technique behind it.
1: Yeah. Mm.
2: What about things like? Um, sorry, I feel like I'm asking the questions now, but I'm just sorry. They're just <laughs> like, going into autopilot. You're to, I'm sorry. You're such a host. <laughs> sorry. But like you're crossing into territory of also like body dysmorphia as well, where you might have actually given them the result, but they're not seeing it. They still see the person in the mirror that they saw before they had the treatment. And then that's a whole other different. Do you use the term kettle of fish? In America no whole different story hold di- okay no okay sorry so it's it's a whole dif- that's a whole other ball game right like if someone's actually yes. got the result but you're there going I can't see the difference you're like well here's your before and after like and they're like no I still don't see it like that's an issue too right
3: oh yeah we we had a patient one time her eyebrows were naturally like a centimeter higher and they were still like that afterwards. We're like, no, it was like that before. She's like, no, it wasn't. We took out a ruler on the photo and said, look at the ruler is crooked. She's like, no, I don't, I don't see that. And so, some people you can't get get past that. Mm. But for me, when I, I feel like if you do this long enough, you can smell that type of personality within a you know one minute of having a conversation with them. So I think I'm pretty good at turning them away or just letting them know, I'm not the best injector for you. There is someone else out there. Let me refer you to a surgeon or to a psychiatrist. And <laughs> you, know, I, you I, I will, I'll get bold, I'll get bold with it. And, and just let them know, like you, it, it, it's almost kind of nice if you build that rapport, like, you know, what's going on in your life. Um, there seems like there's something more. And I think a lot of people don't ask that that question. And when they do get vulnerable, most of the time, you know, sometimes they they don't want to open up, but when they do that, they'll at least take the number or the referral. And then I don't know what they do with it, Yeah, but um, yeah, that's a whole, a whole nother ball game.
2: Yeah. Jake loves those patients. If they want that result, you should send them to Dr. Jake Sloan in Sydney, Australia. He loves those people. He's waiting <laughs> like, for Like,
0: What's waiting. the qua situation down there? Can I fly in right away? Yeah. <laughs> do I got to stay in a hotel? Oh, I want to see Dr. Well, anyone Jake. Listening,
2: Jake's mobile number is plus six, one. No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: What's up, Pam? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> Slide into the DMs, yeah.
1: <laughs> what I was going to say is for any doctor or injector listening, thinking, yeah, how do I handle those patients? And and it's always so awkward. It doesn't matter how you play it. It's awkward. But it's better to be awkward and have a kind of weird console and and, and that's the end of it than, than proceeding and going down this horrendous road and they spend – whatever money come back and complain sometimes it gets legal and it that is way worse than having an awkward sort of half an hour with someone so suck it up
0: absolutely yeah, totally agree that's what Megan would do the dirty work for me, right Megan? Believe it or not, I shake in my boots when we had when we first opened it was just me and Aaron doing literally everything. I was like, we here in America or Aaron's technique for distraction is tapping. I don't know if that's popular, but when you tap during injections to distract the patient and I was doing that one time and we had a very challenging client and I mean, I I had to like almost take a smoke break outside. I was so stressed (laughs) over the whole situation. And it was getting... Each time we saw her, it was getting increasingly difficult. And Aaron had to eject her like had to cut it off and i was so scared for her like i had to go walk around the block and you think me a big bold loud aries six foot tall amazon would like handle it no (laughs) aaron right here she's like let me handle it and she (laughs) and because it's going to protect her staff it's going to protect the front desk people it's going it's like a it's a it's a visceral poison in the air and there's no amount of money that they spend that will make it worth the abuse worth the uh the demands the the demeaning of the her medical assistance uh making us change certain sounds or certain lights or certain scents, or I mean just one of those like a pill we call it here and um it's gotten easier for Erin I've seen it with my own eyes just because it's not personal it's just it's business you know mm-hmm. she's protecting her brand and her business and her employees and yeah. you just can't <clears throat> win with those cuckoos 100% agree. Yeah, just get rid of them.
2: That's the new technical term. Cuckoo. Cuckoo's. Cuckoo's, yeah.
0: Cuckoo, yeah. On the medical chart, what do you code that? You have like a special code, I'm sure, for CC, <laughs> cuckoo's, cuckoo's, yeah. But both, so Dr. Jake, you, actually, you and Aaron have something in common. You we are do. both trainers for Allergan.
1: Ooh, yeah. I'd love to know how it works in the States because I think it's a bit different.
0: So how it works in the States is the,
3: uh, I, I'm a trainer for Allergan and Galderma. And skinaceuticals, they will they contract me to go to different offices, or they have injectors come to my office, and then I train them on whatever is on label in the United States. Mm-hmm. So I so say um, voluma, I can teach them how to cheat uh, tr- inject voluma into the cheeks and the chin. That's the only places if Allergan is sponsoring the training. Yeah. So that's how it works here.
1: Yeah. So the, it's slightly different here. So. I work as a a trainer or a key opinion leader, normally to, I'm not saying bigger events, I'm not teaching hundreds of people, but we'll normally go to a hotel, they'll hire out a conference room, I might just do a talk, or or, or often there's like sort of live injecting after the talk, but we don't do any sort of stuff like going to clinics, or, or we don't have any people coming to my clinic. They have a separate team called Clinical Specialists, Um, so they're sort of trained within Allegan to go and, you know, and sort of support people facilitate their injection technique and a bit of business, um, sort of, sort of, uh, handholding as well, I guess. So, um, yeah, so I've actually just been appointed to train those clinical specialists. So that's kind of a nice little new thing that I'll be doing.
0: Do you like training or does it exhaust you?
1: No, I, I, I do. I mean, I don't probably have aspirations to be flying around all the world every, you know, like before COVID, I mean, some of the bigger KOLs, I don't know how they did it. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, they're literally one country, another country, another country, and you know that doesn't work with family life and trying to run your own clinic and stuff. Yeah, but um, no, I do. I, I used to train junior surgeons when I was, um, you know, in hospital. I used to teach for the Royal College of Surgeons, which is sort of our, you know, college. And I just, I just like, it's different. Like you, you're kind of injecting or, or talking about injecting, but it's, it's different. You're imparting your knowledge and and you're sort of talking with colleagues and bouncing ideas around. So it's nice.
2: Jake likes telling people what to do with from the comfort of his own home. He doesn't <laughs> like to travel.
1: <laughs> no, it's good. I, I, As a teacher, I find that you learn as well. You just pick up stuff that you, you know, you, you can be very tunnel visioned when, when you've been doing it for a few years. And it's nice to just see how other people do it as well.
0: In your podcast, you interview doctors, um, practitioners of all different countries, which mm. is what, uh, what appeals to us a lot, because I feel like you guys have a broader perspective than we do. So what has been the biggest surprise that you've learned from some of these doctors or injectors from other countries?
1: Mm. That's a good question. I mean, I remember we were speaking to Subio and also another injector, Dr. David Mabry. He's actually in San Fran, so maybe he's close to you. He's in ENT, yeah. Yeah, but it, but he's Yeah, he does mainly injectables. Pure, well, he's purely doing injectables now. And it just seems really expensive in, in the States. Um, I don't know about toxin, but filler, you know, when your cost price was expensive and then your selling price to patients was like... Crazy expensive. I, I, I'm not knocking your prices. It just seemed the market is different. Um, so you know, it got to a point where Subio was saying he he sort of doesn't want to use you know some of the bigger brands because he just can't afford it. And so he's dropped down. And I think he's, is it Versa? Is that one of your brands? Mm-hmm. So he's using Versa, yeah, but just because he can use more mills of filler and deliver you know in in his eyes better results because it's just more affordable so you know it, it would be difficult as an injector like me because i use you know big mills and, and big volumes and and sort of trying to sell that to to an american patient might be quite difficult i don't know hmm
2: and I think um, some of the things as well, that Beauty of the World series that we did where we spoke to injectors from different regions and looked at the way that they approach, you know, unique anatomy in different parts of the world, different, you know, natural uh, facial structures, um, what treatments are more popular. So we found that, like, you know, it's it's really interesting talking to these different people and working with different ethnicities and finding out, you know, what cultural trends are driving treatments in their region of the world and, and how they approach different different uh treatment modalities and so on
3: mm,
1: but i don't think anything jumped out at me as being completely out the box mm. but but it's just different and 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 again pricing was different europe's super cheap to buy product you know as, as a doctor as a clinic um but here in australia again i think our buying price is actually relatively expensive compared to some of the people we spoke to mm. so yeah how about yourselves
3: well, talking about pricing, it is it it, it is expensive, and we you learn to make little go far as far as it can go. I mean, our bread and butter is doing a uh, one syringe of filler and twenty four units of Botox, and we bang that out all wow. day long.
0: Wow, where yeah. do you
3: put twenty four um, units? We, by the way, uh, like glabella or yeah. glabella and my all big on. ass like,
0: forehead. forehead. <laughs> no, Aaron, I think I'm what thirty six. Aaron has me down. I do. Uh, so you're like a you- hundred in your platismal bands. Let's be real. <laughs> And my armpits. And ambassadors. My crotch for my sweaty <laughs> crotch. Anal <Wow>, sphincter. <laughs> for hyper exactly. I gotta relax the sphincter, you know? Like I need a lot of Botox. So I gotta make it stretch. So I'll say, hey, give me more Botox. I'll take less filler. I'd rather relax a whole bunch of stuff than fill it up. But is a one ML like a syringe? Cause I know you say ML, so is that like a syringe mm-hmm. to you, Erin? Yeah? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. Uh
3: Yeah, it's expensive, but you know, I, I am more on the side of, I know all the portfolios so well, and I do believe there are nuances with each different type of filler that gives me slightly different results. Mm -hmm. So there are some areas like the, like pre-gel sulcus, I can put almost anything in there and I don't really care because I just need volume. But if I'm doing lips or tear troughs or something that I want, something either really firm or really soft or really flexible, I will stare at my cabinet of fill and pick which the exact one i want yeah um and yeah i mean the patients they they pay for it i mean i think that's just what the market is and they are they are willing to pay for it and we're just very realistic about results and if someone does need more surgery we'll just refer them out to surgery
1: me asking how much you guys charge i'm just you know just curious to know how it all works there
3: yeah, we charge anywhere between 600 to 800 dollars a syringe.
1: Just PS um, Jake's Jewish just, just David
2: Jewish as well. Right.
0: <laughs> L'chaim. L'chaim. L'chaim.
2: L'chaim. Shalom.
0: L'chaim.
2: Um, I'm working this out straight <laughs> to on. the money the calculator. That's like the yes. first app yes. on, on.
1: the first app on his phone's yeah. the calculator. Look at
0: this. <laughs> sounds like Aaron oh my
1: gosh we've just sat there and said we spoke to all these doctors around the world about price and now you're taking the piss out of me for asking about the price it's my job (laughs) that is uh that is a yeah what is that oh it's a thousand and thirty four dollars that's that's up there yeah with that's why they have so many that's why they can afford so many closets I know right
0: and (laughs) that's (laughs) <laughs> also note that where our location our locations are not in like S- S- Los Angeles. Like we are in we have a location in Newport Beach which yes the Orange County housewives are from that area. Mm-hmm. So that's a top tier city, but our, our Aaron's first location is in a suburb called Claremont which is technically Los Angeles County, but it's not Beverly Hills. It's not, you know, so these you know, massive he charges two, three times as much. And the do- and the difference too is like doctors like, you know, Rivkin or NASA, if they can charge more, if they do choose to do injectables than say their PA or their NP, they're allowed to, deter- if they want to charge more because they're doing it versus yep. somebody else. I don't know if you guys experience that too, because do a lot of doctors inject in Australia or do they think that's like well, yeah. beneath well, them? Well,
2: well, I was just going to say, I mean, I think that depends on what type of doctor you're talking about. So cosmetic physicians like Jake, Obviously, do a lot of injected injecting, and then you've got your your plastic surgeons, and most of them either have nurses working within their within their clinic who they refer all their injectable work to, or they'll charge like fifty dollars a unit, so that if they're doing it, they're making it worth their while, or they don't want to actually. It's actually more of a deterrent because they don't want people asking them to do it.
1: Yeah, I would say that. I don't know a figure, I reckon less than 5% of it, of plastic surgeons are actually yeah. injecting. I reckon they're just, you know, they're in their, um, yeah. in, in theatre, that's where they're making the money and that's yeah. what they enjoy doing.
2: They might do it as, um you know, after a facelift or after a rhinoplasty to like fine-tune a result maybe, probably that's when they do it. Like I've,
1: yeah, yeah, but yeah, but even someone like, I mean like the good example is Michael Zachariah who we've had on, he's a, a well-known ENT, he will inject yeah. and, and he enjoys it, but it's not the it's not the norm.
2: Yeah. Well, you think about like just from a financial perspective, they're going to earn way more money being in the OR than than what they what they would like in you know in in just like the normal clinic. Yeah. So yeah. probably monetary more than anything. Probably. But then you
1: get you know the unicorns like Stephen Liu who we've had on. He's like, yeah. of course he's a very skilled plastic surgeon. That's what he's trained in. But I think he would be better known as a global key opinion leader in injectables. Yeah. So you know you do get people occasionally. But um, I think in the states. I get the impression that a lot more plastics are, are kind of dabbling and doing a bit um, just because they have their spa kind of thing on the side of their of their rooms and stuff. Yeah.
3: Do you guys have mid-level providers in Australia, like a nurse practitioners or PAs PA's physician assistants?
1: Well, I was going to ask what I know that you are a physician's assistant, but I don't Dude. really understand what it is. Could you, could you explain it that? Is,
3: oh. Sure. It is the worst name for a profession ever. We're technically a mid-level provider. So I have my master's degree in medicine. So I'm able to diagnose and prescribe medications and treatments, but you always have to work under the supervision of a physician which is variable from state to state. So in the state of California, that just means I have to be able to be within electronic contact of my supervising physician. And he just has to, well, the law just changed, but he used to have to co-sign on 10 charts a month. And now it's just at their discretion. So I, I technically can't practice independently in California, but it's pretty darn close if mm. if you know what you're doing.
1: Well, what couldn't you do that a doctor could
3: the only thing I cannot do is perform surgery under general anesthesia.
1: You don't want to do that anyway, so that's fine.
3: I don't want to do that, but it—you uh, can do uh, procedures under local anesthesia. Um, what about pretty, sedation? I mean, could
1: you do it under sedation?
3: No, I don't think so. Right. I've never—it—that's it, a gray area, and I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm happy with my very yeah. awake and alert patients.
2: <laughs> Stay away from the gray. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yes. Yes. No Michael Jackson a,
1: milk here. No. Oh wow. <laughs> God.
3: No. Actually we Not
2: had um, available. We had Michael Jackson's cosmetic physician on a couple of weeks ago. Not the that, one
1: that killed him, by the way. That was his GP. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I
0: was gonna
2: say scandalous. <laughs> oh. Yeah,
1: so his name is Dr. Patrick Tracy. Um you may have come across him. He's been around in, in the industry for thirty years probably. Yeah. So he's based in um Ireland and um we'll release his podcast in a couple of weeks. But yeah, when Michael Jackson lived in Ireland interestingly michael jackson actually flew to patrick originally because american doctors at the time didn't know how to use hyalase or X, as you call it so he literally flew to see patrick because patrick was one of the first people to kind of play Mm. with and discover that X is a thing and you can use it to dissolve ha um and then he became friendly and and michael would go to see him for his vitiligo and a few other things so yeah we, I mean, that wasn't the focus of our chat, but there's a little bit in there, so yeah. bit of a bit interesting, very interesting, bit of a prelude for you guys.
3: You're just meeting everyone. I'm s- s- so impressed. Who is who is on your hit list? Is there any uh, podcast Ooh. guest that is you are dying to sink your teeth well, into? We're talking
2: about getting the other half of a uh, botched on. We we're talking about yeah. getting Dr. Mm-hmm. Terry Dubrow on at some point because mm-hmm. Jake's Jake's got a connection.
1: Yeah, well, I probably shouldn't say it because of confidentiality, but a, a good friend of Terry and his wife. I've come to know. So that may be a link. Um, personally for me, I, I really want to get, um, Maritza? Maritza de DeMaio on. I don't know if you know Maritza. Oh, Yeah. Um, yeah. cause he's been really influential in, you know, what I do and how I, how I work and, um, yeah, it's a bit of a personality as well. Um, we've just got so many ideas with, you know, we're thinking about maybe doing like a more videoed, um, rather than audio things so or something to sit alongside the podcast, maybe yep. like a masterclass series, um, where we'll actually go, you know, and, and film certain techniques or skills. Yeah. Um. We want to do something a bit on social media because, like we said, people yep. do it so badly, uh, including ourselves, to be completely honest. <laughs> so
2: we'll we'll learn from there. And also some debates as well. We want to do some roundtable debates and discussions, not just us asking questions, but actually getting people who have maybe opposing views on the same subject matter, and actually hosting dis- discussions around you know their different points of view, which I think could add another dynamic and could get a little bit heated from from time and again which is what people love watching car crashes so that could be interesting as well
0: oh yeah get subio against another like nose job doctor like rhinoplasty doctors (laughs) they'll go to they'll go to bat over like bone in versus cartilage that's what our guest uh dr (laughs) calvert mentioned he said there's nothing more like Eruptive and crazy than a nose job conference because they're all like bone, no bone, like stint, no stint, or whatever his nose job (laughs) referral was. But I would love to see that. I mean, me as a non medical provider, I would love to see that type of scandal. It'd be more exciting than like a Mayweather fight.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Mayweather fights, you always knew how they were going to, they were going to, he was going to win on points, right? And that was going to be it. But you wanted him to get beaten up. What sort of topics would you suggest that we would cover? Like, what do, what sort of debates would you guys like to hear?
3: Oh, you guys cover so many. You guys have a lot of episodes under your belt. Yeah,
0: like uh, 120 or so, right? 100 and yeah. Well,
1: actually, yeah, this week will be 120 with Jean Carruthers, like the the queen of Botox who discovered cosmetic Botox. Yes. So, yeah, it's, she she, uh, she was great value and and really humble and and nice to work with. So, Yeah. Yeah. Um
2: who else? Um so, oh, god we want I actually want to do an episode on psychedelics and their use in treating PTSD and psychiatric illnesses so just some of those fringe topics that people are probably a little bit too nervous to talk about we're happy to tackle them so and it's been good because i mean i've said this in an episode recently you know when we first started it was all about aesthetics and and i've always sort of been looking at these sort of fringe treatments and listening to lots of weird joe rogan episodes and all those sort of topics that they discover and i started talking to jake about and he's like looked at me like i was from mars going we ain't talking about that but i've worn him down over two years and he's actually become a lot more open to those ideas like my
1: anus has become wider and wider (laughs) as as time has gone on.
0: I, I, that's the <laughs> yeah. beauty of a podcast is that it's not your practice. This is not... Like, Mm -hmm. we, you know, this is Aaron and I's, I mean, the stuff we say, I am surprised that Aaron's patients will come in and be like, oh, so Megan has a hairy muff patch, I learned this weekend. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, my God, I forgot I said that. But it's not the practice. This is another side of us, but still showcasing things that interest us. Mm -hmm. But medicine interests us. Injectables interest us. uh, Shams and scams interest us. You know, one of our other podcasts that we listen to by Dr. Jay Calvert, it's him and his... Fellow surgeon, they talk about like lipo in the ankles or like lipo versus kybella. Like that's a great topic or surgical treatments uh, and maybe what could be done with injectables instead and offering like why one is good for a certain type of person. Just like your guest um, who talked about like the liquid, you know, non-surgical nose job versus rhinoplasty. I think those are really really fun topics to cover because people just love to learn and we have so many Uh listeners that are not medical. Um, medically interested like little baby Aaron Jensen's because yeah. Aaron does have yeah. like a deep following that want to be her there's just people like my friend's boyfriend listens to this because he thinks what we talk about is interesting and he drives a lot and so you know it's just I, I love that we have the podcast as an outlet and mm. that you guys can touch on subjects you you put out a, a podcast a week so why not talk about you know microdosing? Uh, Ketamine, you know, like it's something people talk about. (laughs) Or take some mushrooms on episode. I mean, really fuck it up.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna spike. I'm gonna spike. I'm gonna spike Jake's Negroni one of these days, and things gonna get really interesting.
0: You know what you guys can do? You can take mushrooms and then uh, inject David's half of his forehead before the mushrooms hit, and then...
1: Let's do it. Erin, we... let's do a controlled trial. You do Megan, I'll do David and see what happens.
0: Okay. Oh, um... that'd be crazy. Okay, so let me ask you this, guys. If you... Okay, Dr. Jake, so if you were a doctor and David, if you weren't an entrepreneur, author, what would you guys be doing if you could pick a new career right now, a new be,
2: job? I'd be a tradesman. Would a have, tradesman. I would have done like, something okay. like a carpenter or a builder or something with my hands. I feel I would have done, well, I, like, when I was at school, everyone was like, you have to go to university or you're not going to amount to anything. So I think that I'm naturally inclined to like more artistic stuff. So I think if um, I would have been able to be, a, like in Australia, we have like a shortage of tradespeople. That's what we call them here, people that do like handyman work and builders and so on. I'm not sure what you call them in the States. Um, if you actually just turn up on time and do what you say you're going to do, you like make a fortune. So I think with like a business brain and like those skills, I would have done really well. So that's probably what I would have done.
1: I don't know if you know, David's also an internationally recognized bonsai tree artist and I'm not making that up. That's true. Really? So he Mm. he could just do that.
2: Yeah, I well. probably could. I wouldn't make as much money, but it would be very rewarding.
1: Honestly, go to his, what's your Instagram bonsai uh, boutique? Bonsai boutique yeah. bonsai. Check it out; it's fucking amazing. Some of the stuff
0: you probably have really low blood pressure.
1: it uh, it's. it's
2: uh, I don't know. Yeah, it depends, depends if like I'm sat next to him or not. Zen. Yeah, Mister like a
1: Jewish Mister Miyagi.
0: <laughs> that is inc- the more you know. Okay, so then Dr. Jake, what's your hidden talent and hidden hobby?
1: Well, I can moonwalk. That's my hidden talent. And I can do the jumping splits, which I did do a oh, story on about two weeks ago. I got a
2: pain in my testicles watching you do that. Yeah, that was yeah. man, really fun.
1: <laughs> I was a bit dosed up with alcohol. It made it feel a lot better. But um, So I used to be able to, you know, I was the guy who used to get pushed onto the dance floor to make a dick of himself. Um, so that's my sort of hidden talent, inverted commas. So he would have been a backup dancer for Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I used, to, I, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an astronaut, um, but that wouldn't go very well because i kind of get car sick and i'm not good on rides yeah and...
2: re-entry could have been a yeah, challenge <laughs> so
1: re-entry wouldn't have been too cool for me but um if i could get over the sort of the you know the travel sickness i'd love to be an astronaut
3: maybe one day
1: some of these astronauts are like 50 yeah so i've still got 10 years to there you so go. maybe.
2: nasa if you're looking for someone dr jake is your man yeah
0: Well, just wait for Elon. Elon Musk. He's going to create like a shuttle that takes us to Mars any any second now. So just hang tight. Okay,
1: I'm going to make a bold statement. I'm going to be the first guy to do Botox on Mars. There we go. Oh,
0: Oh.
1: (laughs) (laughs) are you going to put yourself up for Neuralink? An
0: Allagan can sponsor me. Yeah. Allergan, hey, Allergan, they know us well, in the States at least. Um, So Allergan, I'm going to need a gallon of, I don't know what that is over in Australia, but I need a gallon of Botox because Dr. Jake is going to inject me head to toe in the space shuttle when we land at Mars. We're going to break records.
1: Oh, God, someone's going to do it eventually.
0: So to wrap it up, Aaron, why don't you ask them our infamous famous last question for all of our guests we asked this to every
3: guest we have on but for both of you what does the term treat yourself mean to you
1: uh there's a shit ton of juvederm and um (laughs) (laughs) conning one of my kol friends to do it for me when they're too busy i think oh treat yourself
2: uh whole day of netflix and sitting on the couch doing nothing
0: Relaxing, chilling. Pretty that much. would give Aaron a Pretty panic much. attack.
2: Oh really? You're a control freak? You need to No, be
0: done. I'm a control freak, but when
3: I turn off, just like you, I have to shut off completely. Yeah. Like I don't want to go on a hike. I want to sit there and yeah. do nothing and try to like clear my brain.
2: Yeah. So, well, Jake I'm just okay. bought himself an Apple Watch and I'm like, You really? You need more distractions? And I forgot it. <laughs> I left it on charge. Just
1: because you didn't, you, 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 you had a reminder to put it on, but it didn't work because you didn't have. Yeah. Well, honestly, it, it's pretty good. Cause like I can be injecting and you know, I don't want to pick up the phone or, or have to sort of pick up the phone to, to, sort of read a text. I can just, if it's important, I can, you know, I can sort of act on it. And if it's not, I can ignore yeah. it without having to disturb yeah. what I'm doing with the patient. Or it could
2: vibrate and it could cause an occlusion. Yeah. What could go
1: wrong? Left hand, mate. All right. Left hand. Don't you worry. I've got it covered. Left hand. Okay actually i've got a i've i've realized who you can hook us up with for a podcast dr pimple Popper used to work with dr pimple oh, Popper.
3: yes i worked with her for nine years and wow. i um was at her office before I, so i started there in 2009 mm-hmm. and the whole social media thing blew up like 2013 2014 yeah so i was through that whole ride of early instagram and social media and it was just insane. Like the growth of social media at that time was you wake up and you have 50,000 new followers. It was, it was crazy. (laughs) Um, And then I was there for a little bit when they had the TV show And I opted out of it. And when that started, I left. So Mm -hmm. I might not be your best connection.
1: Well, you know, you could. There's there's a bit more synergy than me randomly DMing her on Instagram.
3: (laughs) Uh, But I could hook you. I
0: know. I know people who know her. We'll We'll share
1: connections. Yeah.
0: Yes. I want Raj. I want Raj Aquila. Ak- oh, yeah. you say his oh, name? Yeah. yeah.
1: Aquila. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Aquila. He is the fine. I mean, I'm sorry, Dr. Jake, but he is the finest <laughs> doctor injector I have ever seen. And his staff is beautiful. He's very, he's
1: very, very popular.
0: He is over the top. I mean, he's gorgeous, as they say. In Australia, by the way, everybody, because um, I watched uh, a whole bunch of Australian TV, gorgeous referred to men and women, where in America, they usually refer gorgeous to Women, but right. like it's okay that I right. call Dr. Raj gorgeous because he is delicious and he's very married. So I'm gonna stay on this side of the country. No, he's not. He's not, he's not, wait, not married. What? He's not so married. So tell me this chance
1: that there's no ring on the finger. I'll, I'll put in a good word and see see what happens.
0: All right, well, Aaron, I got a couple conventions I got to hit up to be that creepy chick that
2: sits in the back. So you're you're putting yourself up to be injected by Dr. Aquila and we're just going to leave it there, right? We'll just keep it generic. (laughs)
0: That sounds like a joke I would make. Yeah.
2: Sorry, Raj, if you're listening. It's got out of control. I'm sorry. He uses the he uses the cannula technique. Yeah,
0: please. It's yes. It's it's not the size of the cannula. It's the technique. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Well, you guys have been so much fun. I just want to make sure everybody. If you guys think we had fun, they have hundred and twenty episodes of not only fun but deep, deep knowledge. So, like this, this is a podcast that Aaron loves to listen to and Aaron loves to learn about as a an injector. But their podcast is called Inside Aesthetics. You can find it on Spotify on. Apple. Apple, and we just had our very special guests from Down Under, Doctor Jake Sloan and David Seagal Siegel, I'm sorry, I wanna say Seagull like oh, Stephen Segal, not the, first. the actor. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. yeah, you guys were so much fun. And um, and how do they find you on Instagram? What's your Instagram handle? Is,
2: We've just changed yeah. it. Yeah, we have, yeah.
1: It's Inside at, Aesthetics Podcast. It's a bit easier now. Nice and simple. Like
0: Perfect. Us. So you guys got to make sure to add them to the queue and make sure to listen to all their episodes. And thanks again, guys, for taking the time. You're in the future right now. And thanks for joining our little podcast.
2: Thank you. Yeah, and, thank you uh, so much. Thank you. And when you come to Australia, we'll, we'll have a beer together, mate. All right, we'll do it
0: yeah let's have a a beer a, a tea or what do you call a barbecue
2: uh a, D- barbie. a barbie have a barbie and a, we'll have a barbie we'll have a barbie and a beer yeah
0: we'll, we'll go to sydney well i just i want to do it all sydney's like the la of australia i hear like the los angeles yep, it is
2: i've been to both yep you're pretty accurate except it's a little not so much spread out and the
1: traffic's not quite as bad
0: yeah so we'll have to you know we'll have to do an in-person live
1: oh yeah come to the studio yeah we need, we need you on the famous sofa. You can both fit in the middle.
0: You can you can be
1: a rose between two thorns.
0: Yeah. Oh, I did that gag lovely. last time. I love it. It's
2: okay. <laughs> I can use it at least three times. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you guys again. And thank you everybody for listening to episode sixty-four with Dr. Jake and David. Make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, rate us, write a little comment why you love this episode. We're also on Spotify and we'll see you guys next week.
1: Thank you girls so much. We really appreciate it. Take care.